Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rusciutti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rusciutti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When you hear the term screen time these days, it's usually associated with something judgmental and negative. People generally talk about screen time as a measure of how long you can stare at your computer or your phone before something bad happens to your brain. My phone has even started giving me unsolicited weekly reports about my screen time with a percentage of whether it's up or down compared to last week. But there was a time in the past when the screen wasn't considered a potential mental health hazard. It was a place of magic, a linear portal into other worlds, realms of fantasy, adventure, drama, and epic wondrousness. I'm talking about movie screens. The movie theater was a cherished childhood place for many people, including my lunch guest today, Brian Knighton. Growing up in New Orleans, Brian dreamed of owning his own movie theater. In 2014, after a career in construction and real estate development, Brian's dream came true. He bought what had been a warehouse, then a boxing gym on Broad Street, and turned it into the Broad Theater. Today, Brian is the owner of both the Broad Theater and the event space, Broadside. Brian Knighton, welcomed out to lunch. Hey, thank you for having me. Meanwhile, back at your computer or phone screen, if you've got your phone set up so that it vibrates when you tap a letter on your keyboard, that feeling of a vibration in response to your touch is called haptics. If you're a video gamer and you have a shooting game, when you pull the trigger, the feel of the controller in your hand recoiling is a big part of your interaction with the game, the controller's communication with the screen that causes a real-life recoiling effect is called haptics. As you can probably appreciate, devising and building haptic devices is not simple. And it's especially complex when there's a demand for a total immersive experience in virtual reality. That can be in a game or more seriously in a VR training simulation for the military. Two tech companies here in New Orleans are both significant players in the worldwide development of haptic and VR devices. The companies are Haptech Incorporated and Striker VR. Both companies operate in the field of haptics. They're the holders of 13 patents and five design patents. And if you're thinking, wow, that sounds like a pretty big deal, you're right. Both of these companies are seriously big deals. The vice president, chief business officer, and co-founder of Haptech Incorporated and Striker VR is Martin Hawley. Martin, welcome out to lunch. Great to be here. Now, Brian, I could probably have said this sentence any time since the advent of Netflix. It's a tough time for movie theaters. The Broad is one of only two independent movie theaters in New Orleans, the other one being the Britannia. All of the others are multiplexes that stay in business because of the advantage of scale, which in plain English means because they're operated by giant nationwide corporations. So let's start with how you stay in business against the forces of the multiplex and Netflix. How does it work strategically? Uh, can you choose to play any movie in the world you want or any new movie that comes out? Or are there rules and distribution deals that govern the movies you play at the broad? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, owning a movie theater is one of the trickiest businesses you can enter into. It is not a business that you have a lot of control over um, what you're presenting to your customers. Theaters, whenever you sign uh, distribution agreements with, with the distributors, they often want you to play all of their films, their whole slate. So you are often pushed on hard to play a movie that may ultimately tank and then it's stuck on your screen for two weeks. But then at the same time, you have to play those films in order to get the hits that you want. So you have to sort of tread that line. And you know what we have done uh, on Broad Street is we, we've really tried to tap into what the neighborhood is you know what what is that part of town mid city by St. John Treme and we try to play to that audience so we don't take everything that comes out we try to selectively choose what we know our audience wants and that's something that I don't think you're going to get at a multiplex that has a guy in, in Los Angeles dictating what the theater in Harahan, Louisiana is going to play. No, you're absolutely right. And Martin, you've built a hugely successful international tech company here in New Orleans, pretty much under the radar. You have financial partners in the UK. You work with the U.S. military, developing simulated weapons for training. You build systems called Arena Infinity, which are theme park-sized experience games like, a, like an immersive laser tag. And you're in business developing haptic technology with Immersion Corporation, that is a company that develops the trigger for current PlayStation controllers. There are two aspects to your impressive businesses I'd like to start with. One is the fact that you're not just designing, but you're actually manufacturing these devices in New Orleans. And I'd like to know how you're pulling that off. And I'd also like to know, which is an allied question, really? Given that the VR hasn't taken off yet, Silicon Valley hasn't really figured out how to bring it to the mass market, is it possible, with the right capital and with the right people, that your company could make New Orleans the Silicon Valley of, of virtual reality? Wow, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> From the uh, from the manufacturing perspective, um, you know we have a lot of resources, and uh, some of those resources are out in San Jose, California. Um, but you know it is a mission of ours to be able to bring uh, manufacturing home to uh, to to New Orleans. And um, to that end, we've we've actually just added uh, ten extra jobs, ten extra uh, employees um, to our company since uh, the beginning of this year. You know, virtual reality uh, has an issue right now. And the issue is is that uh, the number one place where people are experiencing virtual reality is at a dinner party. It's very much a magic trick that people are pulling out at a dinner party. You ask someone if they've uh, you know, tried VR and they say, yeah, and you ask them where they had it at a dinner party. Somebody pulled out VR and said, hey, look at this. Look how interesting this is. Um, and so virtual reality is very much an active thing. And um, what we're trying to do is turn it into a sport. And so these blasters that we're creating are very much going to be sold as a tennis racket. I mean, you know, what are sports anyway? They're t the technology of the times dictated the sport. You know, we're really trying to be the first group uh, that is going to be selling virtual reality as a, uh, as a true sport, right? Um, that's leveraging the technology of the times, uh, integrated with strategy and, and real activity. Um, one of the biggest issues that we see in the world is just, you know, in VR is people are still trying to be buried into their couch while playing this video game. And it's absolutely not that. You're fully immersed. Uh, going to the uh, tennis court is very much like putting on a VR headset. I mean, you're t completely gone. Um, you're not, you know, sitting in the living room while someone else is making spaghetti. You're, you're absolutely going to the court. And um, so we see a world where 
you know, the, the large-scale arenas in the future will, um, you know, like basically large basketball courts with, uh, with a lot of action occurring on them uh, in VR. So virtual reality as a, as a sport. I know you came from the brand management side. You, you know something about how to make that part happen. Certainly, certainly. Um, my background um, is branding and business development, uh, taking technologies and applying them to different businesses. And, um, you know, over time through this process, we realized as a company that the ignition key are these haptic devices and that we're uh, very much so becoming uh, an engineering firm that uh, commercializes technology. Now, uh, Brian, I've got to, well, first of all, I'll just start with a compliment. You've done an amazing job of hanging in there during the pandemic. And, you know, I'm sure you did a, a bunch of things uh, within the theater. But the part I wanted to emphasize was the broadside. Uh, you basically had a parking lot. What did you do with it? We had a parking lot that had 72 abandoned vehicles on half of it, on 20,000 square feet of it. So we have first had to find someone to take those 72 cars. And when you start making phone calls to junkyards, they, uh, it's like a cat fight. I mean, they, they start clawing for those cars. <laughs> when you say you're offering them for free. So that's the first thing we had to do was clear out those cars. Uh, and then re really the idea to start Broadside and to start the outdoor theater portion came from the city's, uh, the mayor's office, really. I think it was May or March. Um, they sent out an email saying, you know, during COVID, if you have a parking lot, you can use that as an extension of your business. So we jumped on that. And we were actually, I think, one of the first people to kind of utilize that, take advantage of that opportunity. So uh, I, I was able to get, you know, safety and permits, the COVID office, building all on one email, we presented our, our plans for the site, fire marshal approved, and they all agreed. So the city was quickly uh, behind this opportunity. And, 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 and honestly, we didn't lay off anyone. We had one person that, that chose to leave. We had a couple of people that didn't want to work during COVID, but we ultimately did not lay off anyone. We maintained all of our employees and hired new employees when Broadside uh, you know, really started kicking off. And I like your choices. Your first uh, movie was one of my favorites was Down by Law. I yes, think. that's and, yes, uh, personal favorite. Right here. And, yeah, very good. <laughs> and then you did something uh, that I guess wasn't part of the original plan, but you now have, it's kind of a concert venue. You kind of like a, yeah. it's a sort of like, you almost have the Soul Rebels on a yeah. regular basis. Yeah, so, yeah. so the movies were doing perfectly fine. They were, they were doing great. Uh, and then I had the idea to try some live music and the live music really took off. And as it turns out, uh, when people go to see live music and concerts, they drink a lot more than if they're sitting at the theater. <laughs> So, you know, our, our concession average tripled, and we said, all right, well, maybe this is the direction we should go. Yeah. And we, we, we still did movies until last week, actually. We, we still did movies twice a week. This, this week is our last, uh, it's actually our last week being open over there, which I can get into later, but yeah. Get some city restrictions, things like that? No, we're, we're, we're expanding. We're uh, the stage. We're about to close uh, July 19th and we're rebuilding the stage. We're going to make it a more enclosed stage. We're adding lighting, we're adding smoke machines, lasers, the whole bit. We're building out a full bar. Uh, it'll be a double sided bar. We'll actually have two stages. We'll have a courtyard. So it's it'll be a you know, it'll look it'll look mostly the same, but there will be a proper bar with proper restrooms. Now, which people like. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and Martin, and I think of what you do, and I think of taking my kids to laser tag. Is that like the beginning of what we're thinking about here? 
you know, I would think it's uh, it's going to be end up being more advanced than that. That's definitely one of the areas where it can happen. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of, um, I guess, there's a large, there's an older age bracket in there where people, you know, who had played games in a, in a nostalgic, you know, have nostalgia and and are interested in the full immersion that is uh, that's offered by virtual reality. Um, and honestly. That's absolutely where we're starting is video games with blasters, aka guns, but but definitely blasters. And the, the first phase of virtual reality is entertainment. Uh, virtual reality as a medium is absolutely going to be popularized by the activities and the, and the entertainment aspect. Um, and that popularization is going to make it accessible for education, for training, uh, for, for all of the different things that fully immersive experiences can offer to the world beyond uh, the entertainment value. So um, the entertainment value is what's paying for the advancements right now. So if I were to have you back in five years or so, it wouldn't be thought of as it is now, kind of a, just an entertaining uh, uh, area. Absolutely. Well, I mean, people are asking us to make uh, haptic tracked wrenches for uh, really complicated or, or dangerous, um, you know, processes. So the people can train to repair things uh, before they're actually in said facilities. So wow, that is. And actually, you made, you said that one of your guns is uh, the way you would think that like a space alien would would shoot. Certainly, we try to make our. I got to start with this. Do you believe in aliens? That's really a. You know, I we we have to have come from. Well, yes, is a good answer. Yeah, it's a much deeper show now than it was previously. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Rusciutti. I'm talking with Martin Hawley from the tech company Haptech and the virtual reality company Striker VR, and Brian Knighton from the Broad Theater and the event space Broadside. Brian, I gotta ask you, when I, I love going to your theater and the Britannia, the independent theaters, and I'm not crazy about going to the Cineplexes, what is it? What is it I feel by going to an independent? I think you feel more at home. You feel more like you're in a neighborhood business. You're in a mom and pop shop. Um, you know, our our staff gets to know our customers. They can tell us. You know, they, that we talk about. Oh well, that group of ladies that come in on Tuesday, they're not going to like that movie. You know, we, we do that all the time, and there actually is a group of ladies on Tuesday. Um, so I think it's that. I think it's really sort of that, just that mom and pop feel, and. We're not an airport, you know. We're not running people through. Uh, we we do have the best movie bar in the we have city. A, we have a good movie bar. Yeah, uh, we have helps. good movie popcorn. There was a, there was also a popcorn shortage. Uh, really? Yeah, so you we're, never we're back heard with our premium. That. We're back to our premium popcorn as Jeez, of that is this great. Week. You heard about the semiconductors, right? Yeah, right, 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 right. No, but, you never hey, heard man, about the more, This is more important. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got a Brian. My mother-in-law grew up here when she was little, and she talked about an age when there were enormous number of movie right, theaters. Is right. Well, you kind of getting back to the, you know, uh, what you said initially about Netflix and, you know, the potential death of theaters. Um, I had this idea that we should make a, a, like a trailer clip for the beginning that goes back to that time to when, um, you know, theaters were happening and then, okay, boom, we have black and white TV. Okay, that's going to kill theaters. And, okay, now we have color television. That's going to kill theaters. And then when the VHS player and the beta player came out, that's going to kill theaters. And then Netflix. And then COVID, right? Everyone thought movie theaters were dead. And they were dead for that period of time. 
But just over the last couple of weeks, I mean, our business is just, it's an uptick every single week. You know, we're, we're, we're adding customers. We're still, we're only at probably 50 or 60% where we were before, but we're getting there. So I, I don't think that any of these new technologies will kill the theater. You know, virtu- and, and, and just to hearing Martin talk uh, about virtual reality and, and my sort of layman's understanding of it, and my kids, you know, they want to do it. Um, just how, how, how that, it puts the person with, you know, almost a solitary way where they're, they're viewing the screen. And I really feel like theaters are, are the same thing. You know, we're, we want people to be solitary, not alone, but, you know, they're, they're alone watching this movie in the dark. They're with other people, but there's no distractions. Like, there are no waiters walking around. There are no, there are no dogs in the house barking. <laughs> there are no cell phones going off. You no used to have a baby yapping. day, though, right? We, we are bringing back the baby day. <laughs> yes. And that's where we encourage people to talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do feel like that, that was a very conscious choice, not to do the in-dining experience, because when I built the place, that was all the rage. Everyone was building these dine-in theater experiences, and that is like, I, I wanted to get so far away from that. Let's focus on the movie. Let's be in a dark room with other people. So I kind of feel like it's almost the same as, as a VR experience. And my, i got to ask you, I can't figure out net whether COVID was a good thing for you or a bad thing for you in terms of business. I, I see stuff that must have been tremendously negative, but I see a potentially some positives that came out of this. Well, seeing as our first product and only product at the time was a theme park device and all theme parks were shut down, uh, we lost tons of business. And, um, you know, I in the middle of a startup, I got to grow a garden and watch my, uh, <laughs> watch my one-year-old learn how to walk. And, um, and so there were some upsides, um, but we quickly pivoted to uh, building a consumer product. And... The virtual reality industry was affected in a positive way, I think, due to the fact that, um, you know, this virtual presence via even just Zoom and, and all of those different, uh, those different avenues for virtual presence, um, it accelerated the ideas of virtual reality, the fact that maybe a conference can happen virtually, right? And so I think there are some long-lasting effects and lessons that will come from, uh, from COVID and um, you know, it certainly accelerated us into getting to make uh, consumer products. So. so you you probably had that on the uh, whiteboard somewhere about moving into electronics, but for consumers, but pushed it all quicker. C- certainly, it absolutely accelerated the process. Yeah. Um, you know, we were always going to mature over time with uh, with the with the medium, and the medium is uh, is now moving faster to uh, the consumer market. Um, and, you know, we talk about location-based entertainment a lot, and that's where our equipment was. They were in facilities where people could go and experience being inside of the movie. Um, you know, we always see that no matter what the medium, there will always be this, uh, this community that surrounds the experience of the medium. And whether that's a movie theater or, or virtual reality, um, the ability to take part in that community and, you know, and, and be near each other in celebration of the emotions that are delivered by the, the content and whatever platform it's delivered in. And I, I begin thinking about the price points here. And when you sell this equipment to a theme park, look, it's a very expensive thing to buy. But can we get it down to the price? I guess you're starting to do it. We're an average consumer. Absolutely. So the, the first version was $3,000 and uh, the next version is um, is actually going to be three hundred dollars. So, 
um, and then we're going to try to go down in price from there. So as the the market gets larger and we get economies of scale, and so. And Brian, uh, one thing that. Um, I'm missing new movies. You know, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of new movies. It seems like they're shooting them. I was down in Homa this last week, and there was a movie, uh, Singing Crawfish, uh, yeah. down there that being filmed. On. There's got to be a lag, though, between no production and then ramping up production. When will we start to see uh, the kind of numbers of movies that we're used to growing up? I, th- I think it's, it's uh, stayed the same, honestly. You know, obviously, production slow down. Um, I know Netflix, uh, their production slowed down significantly, uh, and I'm sure the big studios slowed down as well, but we are starting to see there, there was a glut of movies, and, and they're all coming out now. Like uh, with it, with, between September and October, you were just going to see a flood of great film. You know, like a little more of the art film, but um, a ton of, are coming out, and they're all fighting for space on screens. And a lot of these companies are no longer releasing them. It's called day and date when they release them online and in theaters. A lot of companies are not doing that anymore, like Focus Entertainment, Focus Features. Their last day and date, their digital and theatrical release was uh, the Summer of Soul, which we just finished or will finish, you know, this week. But um, that's their last one. And Disney and Warner, they're the same thing. So they're, they're sort of running through, I guess, their predetermined slate for their digital platforms. And then supposedly after that, it's going to be theatrical. There's something called a theatrical window where you have 21 days or whatever it is, so it's only theaters, and then it could go to secondary platforms. That window has been toyed with from AMC and their agreements with other distributors, but I think ultimately they are going to go back and honor that window. We mentioned it. Yeah, which, which, seen, which, which is what will keep theaters alive. If they, if they don't honor that window, then theaters are going to have a hard time. You mentioned AMC. That's kind of a strange story. It became yeah, it a meme stock, right, and then... Right. They were able to issue new shares at those ridiculous prices. So I guess they've got a bundle of cash now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, try, I tried to offer uh, the broad theater stock through that <laughs> same group. No takers. <laughs> I would have been on board, I swear. It really would have, uh, really would have worked out. Uh, Martin, I've been on Zoom for 16 months now, is there, and I've kind of had it. But is there anything you guys could do on Zoom? Absolutely. I, you know, it's kind of headed in that direction. There is a, right now, there's something called VR Chat. Um, and it's, it's kind of going there. People are creating their own rooms and, and building out, you know, super clubs, if they will. But, you know, there will definitely be a world where um, if you're going to buy a, a new car, you can go to Toyota Valley or, you know, um, <laughs> or Ford Valley, if you will. And so, you know, where you can go and experience all of the world that they have to offer, the design aesthetic, the, the history, the, the, whole, the whole experience. And so, um, you know, in the future, I think uh, you'll be building a, a VR world Potentially, instead of uh, or alongside of your website, so um, you know it's it, where I think uh, Wix and, and and Squarespace have uh, templatized the the internet. Um, you know, there's there's a, a new frontier in uh, in creating the future. You know, sort of delivery of information. One of the things, of course, we should mention is that you have a partner, Kyle, who is uh, more of the. Uh, you said he was a, a physicist. That would. That would be different. You're the business person, right? Certainly. So Kyle and I actually, you know, we, we got started uh, as uh, when we tried to start a product design company together or, and we would service work for hire, just working on projects for other people. Somebody said, hey, if you could make recoil electrically, you'd really have something. And uh, Kyle Monty, um, my business partner and physicist at the time, he 
He patented, uh, developed and then patented the electromagnetic linear motor for recoil and haptic effects. And um, honestly, he's a, uh, he, he's supposed to be a physics teacher in another life probably because he has explained <laughs> so many incredible things to me um, that I would never be able to understand if he weren't, weren't able to put them into the uh, terminology uh, that he does. Well, that's and it. Uh, this show is going to get their own physicists. That's what we think is missing. <laughs> they, uh, all of us at some time in our lives or at some time each day need to escape reality. There are the not-so-healthy methods of escape, and then there are the positive options like movies and the immersive worlds of VR. Brian and Martin, you are working in worlds that make dreams come true for other people for an hour or two at a time, but you're also building companies that are making your own creative and business dreams come true and that are making big and lasting changes. Brian, you make a contribution to the entertainment and culture of New Orleans, and Martin, your contribution to the worldwide development of a technology that still seems to be in its infancy. I look forward to keeping up with both of you and following your continued successes. Thank you both for taking the time today to join me on Out to Lunch. Yeah, thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Brian Knighton, owner of the Broad Theater and Broadside, and Martin Hawley, Vice President, Chief Business Officer, and Co-Founder of Haptech and Striker VR. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here at WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Brian and Martin's adventures in the screen trade by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.